Willkommen bei GCP Live, einem Podcast, in dem wir über Google und Technology sprechen. <lacht> Welcome to GCP Live, Episode 31, the first episode for 2023, for Friday, the 13th of January. GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. On today's show, what to expect from 2023, AI and copyright, the biggest security threats of last year and of this year, and apparently everyone is using Google Photos incorrectly. But before we get to any of that... I'd like to introduce the co-host of the show, Dave Wall. How you going, Dave? Um, Welcome back. Thanks, mate. I'm back from a from a, a way too short break. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, you know we've got a public holiday coming up soon. I, I need that. I've, I've come back. I've been in for a few weeks. I'll need that extra day. Yeah, we came back a little bit earlier than the rest of Kazna, yeah. um, just to get get things rolling on this project. Yeah, and, and it's like straight into it. There was no, I suppose we didn't have, uh, you know, that, that that quiet roll off into the end mm. of the year. Like we were like right down to the line when we wrapped up and then first day back in, we're like, oh, okay, off we go. Just yep. deliver. Nine, 9.30 stand up and we're away. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know who I was, what my name was, but it was time to go. <laughs> Uh, but no, I've got that week off too over um, over that uh, Australia Day week. Um, so yeah, that, well looking forward to that as well. For sure. Uh, did you get up to anything during your break, as short as it was? Um, oh, I mean, like nothing too exciting. Uh, getting my office all back in order and all needed painting and stuff. So uh, I think as soon as I actually wrapped up on that last day, I had all my desk pulled apart and- <laughs> So, so that's <laughs> straight into it, yeah. straight straight into it. So uh, at least at least that's done now. I hopefully will never have to do that again while we're living here. <laughs> yeah, it's a big process. Yeah, I did a similar. I, I pulled out a lot of lot of gear from this room and and cleaned up, and uh, it's just really dusty and just needed to clean. Um, I didn't I didn't go the full you know the full clean out that I was kind of planning, but I kind of realised I didn't need to. You uh, you were saying to me the other day though that you uh, you did run into a little bit of dramas with it. Uh, you were a little bit pushed for uh, weather. Uh, yeah, so I'd um I'd em- emptied everything out and I had it had it sitting under a gazebo just outside out here, like all the expensive studio equipment, you know, keyboards and a com- couple of laptops and bits and pieces. Uh, when I say keyboards, I mean like piano synthesizers because I've got those in here as well. And uh, there was a bit of work that I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to mount some speakers on the wall, and I needed some parts from Bunnings, as you do. And uh, I looked at the sky, and it was coming over dark. And I thought, well, I've got to, I've got to have this stuff out in order to do this piece of work because everything's in the way. But I got to get to Bunnings, so yeah, off to Bunnings, quick, quick. Got to get some paint. You know what it's like trying to get paint at Bunnings in a hurry. It just oh, doesn't yeah. happen. No thanks. <laughs> um. And uh, yeah, got back and just quickly slapped it all up, put it all up. And just as I started loading things in, yeah, the heavens opened up and it rained. Got, got yeah, I, I pretty much had all the expensive gear inside by that point, but um, there's still a few bits and pieces out there and it wasn't too bad. That was all under undercover, but it's just yeah, not ideal. <laughs> not ideal. <laughs> still not ideal. I noticed at the end of last year, I went around hunting around for stories and we talked about chat GPT and AI a lot um, the end of last year and a lot of podcasts and blogs that I, that I watch and a lot of stuff on YouTube, it's all chat GPT. Yeah, it is. Everyone's talking chat, chat GPT at the moment. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I don't want to say the new hotness, but it's, I, I, think, I think people are excited because it's a genuine real usage for for ai mm. that the kind of common person can use right like this this could very well be kind of like a, a, a new like an internet moment right it was yeah, like right. technology that then went mainstream 
So I'm, I, that's how where I'm sort of feeling is that like we're kind of we're kind of at that point now. This is not being overhyped like um, like metaverse stuff is. This is yeah. like this is real. <laughs> yeah, and it's accessible, right? You don't need to be a tech head to go and be able to ask it a few questions. No, nah, don't have to be want. a data scientist. <laughs> no, nah, don't have nah. to make the model. Well, nah. um. Oh, maybe I should have referenced it in the in the show, but there was an article. I just I just saw the headlines that came up in Sydney Morning Herald uh, along the lines of uh, Australian schools are not ready for the AI onslaught. Mm. Oh, you like? Uh, right. Is that about like people creating like essays and stuff using it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They just just I think they they're blind that they're blind to it at the moment. They've got no idea. I know my son's school is they've they've they got no comprehension of like what what it's capable of. And he's like, of course I'm talking to him about it. And he's like, yeah, I put this in and put that in. I took the text out. And I'm going, well, I guess. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> Working smarter, not harder. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think that's okay if you use it as like the, the basis, like, like the framework of like what you want to write, give you some ideas yeah. and stuff. Uh, I think if you just like, you put the writing brief in there and you copy exactly what it does out. Like you'll be able to, f- that'll be able to be found out, right? Yeah, like yeah. like even, searching even for the text son, on Wikipedia. And- exactly. And Pacey, even my son, he's 15. He admitted that what came out of chat GPT was unusable. Really. It was, it was, it wasn't very good. You know, even in, in terms of his, you know, comprehension, he said it wasn't very good. I ended up changing it around a lot anyway. Mm. So if you're doing that, then I, I suppose it's okay. Uh, but we'll get on to it later in the show. There's there's a lot of other things to consider around the ethics with AI that's mm. that's going to probably blow up in 2023. But um, I hear you've got a new toy there, Dave. Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got new phones. It was just, you know, time contracts were up. So um, I've got a, got a Pixel 7 here. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't, have, I don't have a huge amount to, to say about it. Because it came from a Pixel 6, right? So we're just going yeah. one generation across. Um, it's a little smaller, uh, you know, it seems snappy, but it's not like I do a huge amount with mine. Like as long as it takes decent photos and is quick enough for, for what I want it to do, then it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a phone. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I do like the opportunity when changing handsets, like to actually go and like clean up all the old apps and Stuff like when you go to do the, the transfer across, like, what what is that? I don't use that anymore. I can't get so rid of that. Many. Yeah. Rid of yeah. This. Why do I still have like the office apps on there? I don't even use them <laughs> in, you know, probably didn't even need them when I had my last phone, right? So like cleaning yeah. up a bunch of that stuff is is good. Um a few annoying things, you know, like transferring like application profiles. So, you know, you'll you'll migrate across to a new handset and and some things copy across really nicely. You open the apps and everything's still there in your accounts, but most stuff you have to like re-sign in and pull your credentials. So that's just that yep. that general stuff that um, I'm dealing with. Yep. But- and all your multi-factor. Oh yeah, my um, <laughs> I think my Microsoft Authenticator is still going to the old phone. I need to get <laughs> right. that across. Swing that over, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. And um, just before we get on to the news items, mm. both you and I have been playing with this uh, service called Spriggy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is um, this is this is very cool. Um, we, well, I guess for, for both of us, right? We're both looking for a a way to be able to better handle like pocket money and responsible spending and stuff with your kids. Um, and uh, yeah. My my partner actually had had heard of this this springy thing. I think she'd said, read an article about it, and we we looked into it, and and yeah, it's nice. The kids have got like their own cards. You can, uh, you I mean, you can use it for like just regular scheduled pocket money for them, but you can also create like jobs that they have to do, like you know, put the bins out, and I'll give you you know fifty cents or whatever. Um, I, I think it's really cool for that. Yeah, I've um. I went in and set up a whole bunch of jobs during the week that they can do, and if they want to earn some, you know, some money, some coin to do that, then they just do the job, and I I check it off. Um, as you said, they get a card, and you can put the money into their savings, or you can put it into the card, and they can transfer between the two as well. But uh, as soon as the card arrived, my son immediately went onto the Google Play Store and bought a couple of games, <laughs> and, and then he comes running downstairs and goes. 
I figured out a flaw in the system. It's like, what? Oh, what? What is this going to be? Yep. According to the Google's refund policy, if you don't like it after 30 days, you can get a refund within 30 days. So I can get a game, speedrun it, and then get a refund. <laughs> I'm like, okay, good well, luck with that, mate. Yeah, I, I'm not satisfied with it. I didn't get 30 days worth of game time out of it. There you go. Yeah, you, and you're going to play all your 5,000 other games in the meantime as well. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, have to, I have to admit, I think, like, so far, like, uh, I've been seeing some, like, good behaviour from my kids. I mean, my kids are mm. a bit younger than yours. Um, yeah. So, you know, if we're going out to the shops, it's like, okay, would you like to take Spriggies with you? They, they can, because they've each got their own tablets. Um, they've got the apps on there. They can see how much money's on the car. They can handle that. Um and yeah, I've already sort of seen uh, a couple of things where like my son was like, oh yeah, I'm going to buy something. Oh, actually, no, I might just get the cheaper one. I'll get something that's $4 yeah. instead. I'm like, ah, all right. It's different from when, if we went to like the shop and we're like, oh, okay, go pick something out that's less than this, then they'll spend the full amount. So I'll spend the, f- that's right. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. My, my son has a habit of going out with his mates and just buying stuff for his mates. Oh yeah. Like, like all like. You know, he doesn't get himself like a, a bubble drink or whatever. He gets five of his mates $10 bubble drinks. Like, well, I gave you 50 bucks. Where's the change? Oh, no, I bought everyone bubble drinks. Like, what, what the bubble tea? Like, what the, what the, yeah. Mate, you, you, what do you think? It's just not an infinite, you know, an infinite <laughs> barrel of money. Um, so, yeah, hopefully he learns a little bit better from that. That's the idea. <laughs> anyway, let's get on with the news items. So, what to expect from Google in 2023, an article I'll link in the show notes. This article just mentions a couple of things, and I thought I'd kick off with this because it kind of leads into um, another article we're going to talk about, which is the most relevant job skills for 2023. It says, this article says, you know, um, since the release of the Pixel 7, Dave, which is quite apt for you, you. um, Google's been on a roll, showing exactly why it deserves to be a mainstay in the ever-developing conversation surrounding flagship smartphones. So this is, this is an article from trustedreviews.com, uh, and they're talking about the devices. Um, and they, they mentioned the 6A as well. Um, and, uh, you know, Google's, they say that Google still has an understanding if it works in the budget space. But uh, they, they zero in on the Pixel Fold. Um, if the Google Pixel Fold does eventually drop in 2023, it would be one of the... <laughs> the worst kept secrets in the history of tech. Why is that? Has it been leaked? No, it, ha- it has been like, leaked. There's been renders coming around for a while. Uh, I must have uh, missed that. Okay. Yeah, so I guess they didn't, um, like, haven't done the official leaks. You know, if you, I don't know if you can recall. Like, well, when I, say, when I say official leaks, like the early previews, yeah, like the previews, uh, yeah. early last year when it was like the Pixel Watch was like announced, but it wasn't going to come out for six months. And the same with yep. like the Pixel tablet. It was like announced. We still haven't seen it. <laughs> Yeah. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I have got a fundamental problem with foldable phones. Okay. You you were never right. like a, a Motorola Razor man? <laughs> no, no, no. It's just the foldable screens. Now, where do we begin with this? Okay. So, um, electronics, right? They use the ribbon cables. You're mm-hmm. familiar with those ribbon cables that are used in electronics, oh, yeah. right? Now, quite a lot of laptops will have these, right? The ribbon cable that comes from the, the bottom underneath the keyboard somewhere up into the, the LCD, and that ribbon cable uh, is a movable component, right, that flexes when that screen opens and closes. Now, I'm not that familiar with the technology behind foldable LCDs, but I imagine it's a similar kind of thing, Either way, you've got a part that moves, right? Yes, and there's going to be a duty cycle on the amount of there's going to be a duty cycle that has to be prone to failure. Yeah, right. That is my fundamental problem with these foldable phones. I mean, we'll see what happens. It could be a 3D TV, right? It could just <laughs> fall in a heap, and just people aren't interested in it after a while, especially if there's a high failure rate. So, I mean, but the the Samsung. Galaxy Folds now have been out for a few years, and they're on a couple of different generations of them. Now, I know there mm. definitely were issues in the like the first gen, um, but I have to admit I haven't been keeping across to see if it's like, a, you know, they're still having the same sort of issues year on year on year 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think that I would like it. I think I'd like the screen real estate because I struggle. I struggle with the need for a tablet. Right. Like, I mean, I used to have. We used to have like a, a like a Nexus Ten when Google still used to make them, um, and and that was like okay, but. Like, I can usually use my phone for everything that I need to use. And then if I need something a bit more, then I'll use my computer. Yeah. The, the tablet for me has never really sat into a, like, as part of my workflow or, like, relaxing on the couch with a tablet. It's not. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I was that way as well before I got. Mind you, before I got a tablet, which is like, I think I mentioned this before, it's a tablet S, uh, Samsung S2 from like over 10, it's over 10 years old, still going strong, right? But you're right, I, I really only use that for, I don't know, streaming TV. Like if I take it camping, like that's what I'll watch something on. Yeah, you I mean, know, I, I, I can see watch, that, right? Yeah. But other than that, you're right, it's the phone or then there's certain tasks I'm, I'm happy to do on the phone, but then there's certain tasks, now I've got to go to a desktop or a laptop to do it. Yeah, and if I'm using that, usually it's like, yeah, because I want a keyboard and mouse. Yeah. I don't want yep. a big screen. I want to get my hands away from it. That's. Yeah. Um, and for me, I don't know why, banking tasks as well. Like, I'm not comfortable doing banking on a phone. I just think it's prone to mistakes. I much prefer to do that on a desktop. I don't know, it's just the way I feel about it. Yeah. Um, I would use my phone, but I I just I, I tend to use the the web apps. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But yeah. okay, so I see your point here. A foldable phone would fill that gap. So yeah, you've got I could have phone. some bigger screen real estate, but I don't have to have an yeah. extra device. Hmm. You just fold it open, and there you go. You've got you got your tablet sized device. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, this article does go on then to talk about the Google Pixel tablet. So, once again, where does this fit in, right? Um, yeah, there, there's one thing that's cool about the Pixel tablet. Uh, I did see there was like a there's like a charging dock slash speaker dock thing proposed for it. So, right. while I'm not a big tablet person, I am a big like nest home hub person like i've got nest speakers and hubs like in multiple places around the house um you know it'd be kind of cool if i had okay all right over it's it's fixed in place i can use it like a nest hub screen but if i want to grab it and use it as a tablet i can pull it off the dock ah. and i've got that like that's pretty cool. on some sort of dock on the wall and you just grab it yeah, yeah. otherwise it's just a touch con- touch screen controller yeah yeah okay. so i mean it'd be kind of it'd I'm expecting it'll be a more expensive proposition than like the Nest Hub Max is, but um, you know, like that that I could I would be more likely to use it like that. I think. Yeah, yeah. What about an update for the Nest speakers? Uh, this one feels like a no-brainer, given that the last Nest product to receive an update on the Google Nest Pack early 2021. Um. So I, I they don't say specifically what they're going to give in terms of an update, but uh, we can expect one. Yeah, I mean that would be decent. Yeah, the Nest Hub, the Nest Minis have been around for years, <laughs> years and years. Yeah. Uh, they did update them. I don't know what was it. Oh, Twenty. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, twenty nineteen. Right. So this generation has been out for for a long time. Um, I've got both the mini and like the speaker, like the uh, the the bigger one. The I haven't got the two where you can run them in stereo, but you know, probably something that's a little bit larger would probably suit something a bit yep. more bass. <laughs> <laughs> you need a sub. <laughs> <laughs> Give me like a twelve-inch Nest. <laughs> <laughs> the Google sub. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, it goes on to talk about Stadia. Now, uh, we never got Stadia in Australia, but it's gone. Stadia's dead, man. Um, and uh, they're refunding. Uh, apparently, I, I think I heard them making Epic Games available on the Epic Games launcher now if you bought them through Stadia. 
Um, oh, okay, right. So transferring the yeah. licenses across, transferring the license across. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, so yeah, they're they're, they're making some sort of uh, yeah compensation for people that bought the games in Stadia. I wonder if it'll copy the save games across as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, if they're in the cloud, they'll just be a safe game file in the cloud. I suppose you could get it, yeah. Um, well, I don't know about Epic Game Launcher, but... I think I think Google would have to do it from the back end, right? If, it, if you had your save game in Stadia, if they were going to transfer your license across to Epic and the save games, yeah. It would have to go across in the back end, yeah. yeah. I, I'm assuming um, Epic Games has Cloud Sync the same as Steam does, so... Yeah, yeah I think there is something like that. a matter of doing it, yeah. And then finally, uh, they talk about the Pixel 8 and Pixel 7a. Um, practically given, uh, it's practically given, uh, but thought of a new line Pixel phones always gets us excited. After all, the Pixel 7 Pro is an absolute triumph. Now that, is that your vibes on the Pixel 7 Pro? Well, I, d- I didn't get the Pro. You don't have I the Pro. I didn't, oh, okay, yeah, right. just, uh, I didn't want to fork out the extra for that. Um, and plus, the, the, it's, it's big enough as it is. That it's yep. especially when I because I use like the quad lock cases and they're quite bulky. Um, so like the phone's big enough in my pocket, I didn't know to go to a pro one. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have to start carrying Just- it around in like a messenger bag. <laughs> <laughs> hey, then you won't need your tablet, <laughs> it, does, it does it all. Yep. Yeah, cool. So that's uh, what to expect from Google in 2023. Now, another article that's popped up is the most relevant job skills for 2023. Now, this is pretty long and and, uh, it goes into a lot of things, but I thought we'd just quickly go through a few things here. Uh, This is an article on rediff.com. I believe it's an Indian publication. Um, And they talk about uh, cybersecurity being the first thing, the number one thing. I think that's no uh, surprise to anyone, right? No, no. The cybersecurity market is anticipated to reach $376.32 billion I'm, by 2029. I'm glad they included that $0.32 billion, right? That's, that, it that, makes that, all the difference. That $320 yeah. million, it's, <laughs> I know it's very accurate now with the decimal point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, pen testing, application security, network security, and cloud security. The most in-demand skills. Um, number two, uh, cloud computing. No surprise. Right. The global cloud computing market will be worth eight hundred and thirty-two point one billion by twenty twenty-five, which is not that far away. No, oh, gee, yeah, we're not even talking on the same yeah. time scale. Yeah, no, eight hundred thirty-two billion. I think the the great thing is, as like a cloud engineer, is because. The cloud, in quotes, right, mm, <laughs> is, is mm. so big. And even if you're, even if you are specialising on a single cloud, you know, and of course you should specialise on GCP because it's the best one. Um, <laughs> no, not biased at all. Um, <laughs> so even if you are specialising in one cloud, it's so big. Like you can't, you can't be. Like I, mean, I suppose you can. I suppose you could be like a generalist cloud engineer, but if you want to niche down, there are so many different areas that you can dig into. That, like, yeah, there's yeah. there's plenty to learn. There's plenty to grow. You'll find something that's interesting. Absolutely. Um, and they finish off this paragraph. They say knowledge of cloud platforms such as AWS, Google Cloud, Microsoft Azure, Oracle can be an added advantage. You don't, you don't often see Oracle in the list, okay, do you? you know the only reason I ever see Oracle mentioned um, is, I, from what I understand, I think their free tier for their uh, their compute engine equivalent is quite generous. Ah, that's that's usually what I, what I see yep. is like people are like, oh, yeah, if you need like a VM, just throw create an Oracle cloud account and chuck it up on there for like your one VM. Yeah. Okay. And it's it's in their free tier for perpetuity. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Actually, you know what? that just now gives me a mind of <laughs> you could build a multi cloud lab and use the free tiers compute kind of <laughs> engines on like every cloud provider. <laughs> And put them in one sort of Kubernetes cluster, and then spin up as many consoles as you like. Yeah, I'm just in my multi-cloud. I'm having some trouble with my Alibaba node, but yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> don't make me do it. Yeah. 
Sounds like experiment. Uh, number three, augmented reality and virtual reality. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, how long how long has Google been pushing the augmented reality shtick? Um, you know, Google Glass. I mean, this is what, 12, 15 years ago? Yeah, I mean, they still have, um, there's like an enterprise version of it, but it seems to be more used for, I think if you're kind of like manufacturing and training and stuff, it's more for like guiding people to, like you, like you can get people to put them on and then you can yeah. like, if you've got like a smart hand sort of thing, like you can say to someone like, okay, yeah, I can see what you're doing now. So you know, grab this, twist this lever. You can do that, those yeah. sorts of things. I could, you know, where I could see it being used in military applications for like heads up. Mm. Um, they, you know, I think they have their own, <laughs> their own system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, you know, soldiers on the battlefield, they get the heads up information, um, tactical maps, you know, things like that. It, it, yeah, AR would be a boon, but people walking around. I mean. I hate to talk about 3D TV, but it always comes up, right? People didn't want to sit in their lounge room with glasses on, no. right? What, it's just it's- there were those cool ones though, that, but th- <laughs> because they had the the shutter glasses, you could that's have, the active ones. Yeah, they, but yeah. if you had the active ones, you were able to do it where like you could, uh, if you're playing like a a two player game, you could split you, the view. You could split yeah. the view, right? So I mean, that was cool. That's cool, yeah. It's, it's bifurcated the, the same screen across the two users. Yeah. Um, but oh, you could do that with passive as well because the polarized lights, the later ones came out, you could do that with. But, All right. It's so like you sit um, on the left-hand side, I'll sit on the right-hand side, and it's like a, like well, a lenticular once, image. Once they're polarized 90 degrees to each other, so it doesn't matter where you sit. Oh, um, okay. Right, I don't have to one, lay on my side to see it. <laughs> well, you could, and then you would see the other person's screen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just hard. I think people don't want to have to go to effort. Right? They, they they don't want effort. They want they, people. I mean, people are just generally lazy, right? And like to 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 have to like get the thing and put the thing on and and people that are already wearing glasses, it's difficult for them. They got to put another pair of glasses over the top, and you get hot. Or they need an expensive set of glasses that do the AR. Um, yeah, you know. like yeah, one day. You know, give us a number of technological leaps. One day AR will be a thing, and we'll have every day. You know, we'll have some sort of overlay image, and we'll see ads on every surface, and that'll just be life. Um, yeah. But again, we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah. Although you know, having had my little rant there, just thinking about things like um, you know the inny like uh, earpods and uh, some of the the, the Bose uh, inny, um, you know, they're effectively a hearing aid, right? True. And I, you know, that that's like a bit of a clinical, ugly sort of clinical term, but they can amplify, they can either amplify the external sound or they can cancel the external sound, right? You can have augmented audio coming in, right? You can listen to um, your podcast and mix in external sound. That's, that's an augmented reality in a sense, mm, isn't it? I mean, true. if you, if you're feeding information about the external environment in, like navigational information, turn left here, that's augmented reality, except you're doing it in the audio realm. So people are accepting it. Maybe the technology just needs to get a little bit better. Yeah, it could do. There's, um, mm. you, you actually just put me in mind of that in terms of like the, the augmented audio piece. Um, have you mm. seen the um, shocks or aftershocks? The uh, like bone conduction uh, earphones. So they ah oh, they come in uh, behind your ear. Yeah, or something. yeah. So they kind of, yeah, they kind of yeah, sit yeah. over your ear and they kind of press along the back, and they're yep. really good for cycling, right? So you can like listen to music, but you can st- you're still getting all the ambient sounds coming around you. It's not being so basically your ears are open and still letting all the external noise yep. in, and you still get you know. Um, you can kind of you know, determine where things are depending on where the sound's coming through. Um, yep. But because you've got these sort of bone conduction uh, speakers as well on there, then you get your music. And it's really cool. It sounds – it really just sounds like the music is is just around you. It doesn't feel like in you've space, got yeah, – yeah. You don't feel like you've got headphones on. It sounds like there's a speaker in the room playing music. I need to do this for snowboarding. This mm. would be awesome for snowboarding or skiing because – 
you put your earphones in and the world's blocked out. You yeah. can't hear the snow under the board. And someone trying and to pass you the, or like... Someone trying to pass you or you go into the line, you've got to communicate with everyone else and the lifty and everything. You've got to constantly take your earbuds in and out. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect solution. Yeah, I, they're, yeah. they're really cool. Um, I had uh, a mate who was a cyclist who sort of put me onto them and then I went and tried them out at the bike shop. Um, very, very cool. It, yeah. it was baffling for me that the when I was like demoing them, I was like, "And you can't hear this." And like, nope, like just, <laughs> just sound like it was playing in the room. Now I really have voices in my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's move on. Number five on the list: DevOps. Yes, good old DevOps. Um, market generated more than four billion in revenue in 2019, and is anticipated to grow by over 20 percent between 2020 and 2026. So, yeah, get your DevOps on, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, combination of development operations, as we know, uh, automation, uh, infrastructure as code. Uh, don't go clicking on things. No. Uh, as long as the API supports it, yeah. <laughs> that's, get, that's been our problem, isn't it, yeah. Dave? Get, de- get declarative. <laughs> get declarative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, even here at home, um, you know, I, I mentioned my Proxmox setup here at home. I build the whole thing out now in Ansible. I don't, I'm not going and logging into boxes and running commands anymore. It's just just done in Ansible, and that's all in a private repo in in GitLab. So, I'm awesome. oh, sorry, in, in GitHub. Um, yeah, if I need to rebuild it, it's all there. And yeah, it's a way to go. Make sure you're getting your DevOps on. Uh, number six: data science and data analytics. I think it goes without saying, doesn't it? Yeah, because because I can't yeah. say anything about it because I'm not a data <laughs> scientist. <laughs> data science, science, it's good, probably. <laughs> yeah, nearly 91% of organisations have not yet reached the transformational level of data and information maturity. And, you know, uh, Lizzie, I won the show a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, she was saying we've got a long way to go for data democracy to make data available to everyone. A lot of work there to be done. Yep, a um, huge market. Yep. Um, number seven, blockchain. <sighs> number eight. <laughs> Where do we begin with blockchain? It's kind of a technology that just exists and hasn't really found a, well, I was going to say a killer use case, but I guess Bitcoin is a killer use case. But every, as every day goes by, like, you know, literally the value of Bitcoin is of, of Cryptos is getting less and less. I think the problem is is that the blockchain has become synonymous with cryptocurrencies, and that's yep. where the issues are. It's not the problem with blockchain itself. It's just you know, it's a really a database technology, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You think torrent, you think pirate, yeah, right. But that's not the case. Torrent technology is really good. Peer to peer is really good. Yeah. But unfortunately, it's been seconded by pirates. Um, same case here. Yeah, I hundred percent. Yeah. Um, big data. Uh, I guess this works in with data science and data analytics. Um, data, 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 data everywhere. Um, big data jobs are increasing every day since organizations have become data-driven and, and analyze data for high productivity. Um, number nine, Internet of Things. Yeah, okay. I think we've still got a long way to go in the Internet of Things. Uh, there's an article coming up a bit later in the show where we talk about the security, where we'll touch on the security problems with the Internet of Things. So still a bit of a long way to go there. And number 10, robotic processes, robotic process automation, RPA. Um, yeah, and, and like RPA really kind of comes into that, like automating more legacy systems that don't have don't expose an api that's where it sort of comes in it's like i'm i'm automating something that can click around an interface and and pretend to be a user really where that sits yep yep and doing someone out of a job no no that's not (laughs) what we're doing (laughs) it's about doing more with less it's always been about doing more with less Mm -hmm. um yeah so there you go um they are the big in-demand skills for 2023. So we'll move on here, and we're going to address the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room. Please say that you actually are going to drop like a, an elephant soundbite <laughs> right now. <there. laughs> 
like a trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Homer Simpson asking for the elephant prize. <laughs> no, no, but uh, <laughs> where's my <laughs> elephant? <laughs> where's my elephant? No, look, the elephant in the room, um, and I, I personally think this is going to blow up in 2023. A couple of articles I got here. One is a Verge article, and the other is actually a YouTube video, which I'll link uh, in the show notes. But they're both talking about uh, the l- legalities behind using data sets for training AI models. And this has blown up around the a court case that was put forward recently to Microsoft in regard to Copilot. Now, there have been several instances where Copilot has previewed some code to the user and it's almost more or less, and there are some screenshots in the article, a verbatim copy of someone's original source code without attribution. Now, for the people playing at home, Copilot is? So I used Copilot for a little while. Copilot is a plugin you can get in VS Code that will uh, anticipate and give you suggestions for uh, code you're about to write. And I have had it, and I'm not joking here, you write a comment and then you start to write one line of code and it interprets what you want. And I've had it give me, you know, up to six lines of code that were perfectly what I wanted, exactly what I wanted. And if you want that, you just press tab and it fills it in. I'm talking like variable names, the whole thing, exactly what I wanted. Yep. Because it looks at what you've already written. It looks at a comment, if you put a comment there, and then it fills in the next bit of, bit of the code. And I want to, I mean, I think for you, you're predominantly, you know, doing Terraform. So I suppose because Terraform, like, there's a lot of reuse of modules and you know, declaring things that other people have declared, like, there'd be plenty of samples of you know i'm creating a, a vpc and i'm creating uh some compute engine yeah. instances and a gke cluster and like people do that kind of stuff in terraform <laughs> that's right oh and python as well right yeah. python's the same what it's yeah. something python and it would it was just just as competent in that now the problem is the data set that's used been populate that that model uh, is all all uh, copyrighted owned, you know, it might, it's all licensed code under GPL or uh, MIT, whatever license you choose, typically it's licensed code. Now, it may be free and open source, right? doesn't mean there's not a license mm. attached to it. still needs to, to be attributed. It's got to be attributed, right? I think in 2023 this is going to blow up. Now, AI art has the same problem. Right now, if you go ahead and watch that video in there, um, the the AI art generation has gotten so good that sometimes, in some cases, the original the signature of the original artist or a form of a signature is starting to appear in some of the AI generated artworks. Jeez, oh, because it's like and I can- I want art in this style, and there'll be like someone who is you know just. Yeah, prominent in that area of that type of art, so it starts producing art like theirs, and you know that kind of art Signs has it. this signature on it. So I should right. put that signature on. Now it's not the complete signature; it's fragments of the original signature. But you can clearly tell that those fragments are very similar, if not identical, to that an an artist that does similar artwork of that style. Right. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. It's interesting seeing the, the pushback against AI art as well uh, mm. from people who are, like, you know, <laughs> quote unquote, you know, real artists, um, you know, yep. like pushing back on it. I've, I saw last week, I think it was, it was, uh, there was on, on Reddit, somebody, they, they got their art, like their post removed from an art subreddit. Because the moderator's like, nah, this is AI art. And like, no, that's this is my style. You can I can send you all the, the files of me like creating this. And they're like, no, your style is too close to AI art. Find another style. It's <sighs> like, what? <laughs> that's so unreasonable. <laughs> I mean, I, I think about, I mean, I'm a muser, so I think about music, right? We're not at the point where we're generating AI music, but 
think of the frivolous lawsuits that have come about with, uh, you know, stolen melodies. Yeah, three and notes. The, uh, three notes. Yeah, I could go on about, you know, famous, famous cases, but- I mean, what's going to happen when we've got AI-generated music and it's generating, it's just going off and making this music, which is based on, you know, all of Katy Perry's, you know, art, you know, uh, back, back catalogue. Oh, this song sounds like Katy Perry. Well, we're going to sue you. But hang on a minute. It's originally created. Where does the line become drawn? Yeah, it's um, very, very murky. <laughs> very murky. Yeah, and if you think of like, uh, like SoundCloud, Right, like you can have an AI yep. that's just harvesting oh, all of SoundCloud. Yeah, you know, Spotify yep. could do yep. the same thing, right? They could like oh, even YouTube. The files. There's enough enough videos on YouTube, enough video clips on YouTube to do that as well. So all the data's there. Um, just before we get into this article, the rest of this article, although, although we've ranted a little bit now on it, um, I just wanted to say if you were in the Copilot um, test. Now, the pre-release for it, which I was, and then when they went to the paid subscription, they switched it off, and I missed it. There is a free version, like a completely open and free uh, alternative to Copilot. It's called Code Gen X, um, and it works exactly the same. Do you have to be a Gen Xer to be allowed to use it? Is that like the <laughs> <laughs> millennials need not apply? <laughs> I Well... I'm a Gen Xer, so I couldn't tell yeah. you. <laughs> no, that only works for you. No, um, no AI code for Zoomers. That's right. None for Zoomers or Boomers, no. Um, yeah, so Code Gen X, absolutely free and open source. Uh, and this is the thing, right? Here we, we don't have a body where we can go and sue. Right. How's this one going to work, right? This, is, this has been tra- trained by... Uh, GPT-J, I believe, GPT-J, yeah, code generation using GPT-J, works with all coding languages. And uh, You can't put that genie back in the bottle. You can't put it back in the bottle. So if we've got laws that that, that suddenly govern this, then, yeah, I I don't know. This is new territory. Um, So this this particular one, Microsoft, its, its subsidiary GitHub, and its business partner, OpenAI, have been targeted in a proposed class action lawsuit, alleging that the company's creation of AI-powered coding assistant GitHub Copilot relies on software piracy on an unprecedented scale. Uh, Copilot has been found to regurgitate long sections of licensed code without providing credit, prompting this lawsuit has accused the companies of violating copyright law on a massive scale. Now, what would solve this if if it if it gave you a code suggestion? Could it like have a pop up with the attribution in it as well? Would that solve the problem? I mean, it might be an approach. But but then you go on to look at this. Look at this guy here. This is a tweet from this guy, right? Tim Davis, right? Now he says, if you put in uh, this is some C code. If you put in CS produces my CS trampos CS bus. Says my code on the left, GitHub on the right. Now if you look at this. And uh, you guys listening will have to go and dig down into this. But you look at the code, and yeah, it's similar, right? There's no doubt about it, it's similar. But, you know, any smart person that actually knew what this code is doing would probably write a routine very similar to this anyway. And some of the variable names are switched around and changed around. But functionally, it's going to do the same thing. But, like, that's programming, right? There's a lot of different ways to get to the same end. Some ways are better than others, but... Yeah, uh, it is hard to say, like, if, if it's not a line for line, like, exact replica, it's like, well, what even- What it, constitutes was it yours? a copy, right? Like, yeah. is, did it copy you? It might have ripped off somebody, but maybe it didn't rip off you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then, well, what if I go to GitHub and, you know, I'm going to say I've done this once, I've done this more than once, GitHub or, you know, uh, Stack Overflow, and so there's some code there, you take one line. You go, oh, that's the line, right? I put that into my code. Yeah. You know, at what point the variable names are completely different, right? It's just that function that you need, right? At, at what point do you do you have to give attribution? I'm not copying a full block of code, right? It's just a little tiny who, thing. Who do I have to attribute my hello world to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's nebulous, right? Um, or some HTML boilerplate. 
So this article goes on, speaking to The Verge, uh, Butternick, that's the, the lawyer, uh, and Manfredi and Cardio um, expect, uh, say they expect the case to have a huge impact on the wider world of generative AI. I think it will, if it gets up. Microsoft, of course, will appeal it straight up, straight up although I'll motion to have it dismissed. Um, but uh, these guys seem pretty confident that the court, the court will hear it. I mean, I, I think it's probably important to at least level set and see, like, okay, how this, this court case comes out and then how the rest of the industry will then proceed versus training on public data sets. Yeah. Um, and that's the point, isn't it? Public data sets. So... If you put something on the net, uh, is it if you willingly put it on the internet? Is it is it fair game? Yeah. But then does that come into yeah. like as part of like uh, GitHub's terms of service? Like if I'm using a you know a, a, if I'm using p- a private repositories in there, you know, have I signed away the rights to my code? In private repositories, mm, well, they that's see a little it. bit different, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, they see it. That's right. Yeah, um, YouTube. Uh, I mean, YouTube have been saying this all along. You put in anything on YouTube, it's ours. <laughs> period. <laughs> right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So we may end up seeing it going that way, but um, yeah, it's really, it's really at odds with uh, open source licensing, and 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 in this. Um, article there's there's a quote that says ultimately it could be the end of open source license open source licensing altogether if that's the way it ends up going we could be going back to a closed source world if if they don't work this out I wonder what Stallman has to say about that <laughs> that'd be interesting I really would like to hear his opinion on on what he thinks about this um and finally they they finish up here you know, once again in this um, interview in the article. The, the DMCA uh, applies equally to all forms of copyrightable material, and images often include attribution artists when they post their work online, typically include a copyright notice or a Creative Commons license, and those are also being ignored. So anyway, food for thought. Um, oh, I want to track this. I'm fascinated by this to see how this goes. So we'll, we'll track it during the year. You're right. It will be a big one for this year. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, speaking of Google Nest and Google Home Speakers, apparently a flaw was found in Google Nest and Google Home Speakers. And I've just included this article because this leads into our security stuff we're going to talk about. But um, I'll link to this article. They don't actually tell us what the problem was, but uh, Google Home Smart Speakers were found to have a severe security vulnerability that could have potentially allowed hackers to spy on unsuspecting users. Yeah, you had to be uh you had to be within wireless radius of the speakers themselves because they do they broadcast a network to help with setup. Oh yeah, I know it. Um, yeah. Um so yeah, you had to be within range of those to be able to do it, but that's not hard, right? Like they still broadcast pretty far if you're standing at the front of someone's house, you could do it. <laughs> you could get to it, yeah. yeah. Um in a blog post, cybersecurity researcher Matt Coons detailed a serious Google Home bug. Oh, the link to the blog post is there, so you can go read it. They could have potentially given hackers remote control over the smart speaker through Google Cloud's APIs. According to Coons, the vulnerability could have allowed malicious actors to add themselves to the Google Home app and utilize voice commands to activate the microphone on the affected device and therefore listen to your conversations. But he looks. Like he got a pretty decent bounty from that as well from the uh, bug bounty program. Yeah, cybersecurity researcher says he received a total of one hundred seven thousand five hundred from Google for discovering and reporting the vulnerability. Nice. So yeah, I mean, this kind of highlights what I mentioned earlier about IoT. It's still some way to go. We still got to work out things like this are still sneaking through, mm. and of course, the more IoT devices we have, the bigger the surface area for attacks like this. Yeah. I mean, related to this, not so much on the security thing, just in terms of IoT in general, I don't know if you noticed, uh, there was a few articles over the last couple of months about how much money Amazon was losing on Alexa, like it was costing them something like $10 billion a year 
for that line of wow. business. Like, right. um, it was a real loss leader, but people aren't really using them for buying things. Yeah, right. You know, they're not doing like you know. I call. It, I don't want to call that the, the watch words and set off people's podcast. Uh, you know, <laughs> listening ones, uh, as happened to us the other day because you know, we talk right. about Google all the time. Cancel, cancel, cancel. Um, but you know, using them and like saying like order a pizza. It's not like people just don't use them in that way. I'm sure there's a couple of people, yeah. but not nearly enough to justify listen what- to music or something. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean that's they're not buying products with them. No, correct. Yeah. You, you, I'm using it. I'm doing it to cast. I'm setting timers. I'm doing that kind of stuff. I want to know directions somewhere. I want to know the forecast. Uh, I don't want to buy a product, especially without being able to see it and say, yes, I want that specific product. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's a bit weird to think that you would use an Echo for that purpose because you want to see the product. You at least yeah. want to see some. Images of it, right, yeah, yeah. and and get some measurements and stuff, you know. Yeah, or if you're like, you know, like, oh, I need a laundry detergent, right? Well, which one's it going to give you? <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, I really want brand A, not brand B. So yeah, um, yeah, home speakers. I don't know. It's 3D television. How <laughs> 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 so I feel about them? I don't have one. Oh, dude, I've got, um, I've got so many. I, I like because I like using them as a, a kind of like a, a cheap Sonos equivalent. Because you just right. put them all in a group. So I'll just say, like, play music on speakers. And I've got a group called Speakers, which is all of the screens and speakers in the house. And it plays right. them all at the same time. Yeah, I'm probably a bit of an audio snob. <laughs> and when I, when I listen to something, I want it on good speakers. And I've got, like, the speakers here in the studio or, like, a Bluetooth, really high-quality portable Bluetooth one and... Even even the ones on my home theatre system, I don't think the speakers are that good, so I rarely listen to music on those. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. You just, you just hate it. You just walk around that. You'd hear just, bad music everywhere. I hear bad sound <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, I can I can spoil audio for you too if you like, Dave. Yeah, no, no thanks, mate. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's get on to this next article, um, the 10 biggest hacks and cybersecurity threats of 2022. Now, this is great. Um Number one, and we'll blast through this list, uh, hackers steal $32 million in crypto from the Bitfinex exchange. Yeah, successfully stole $32 million worth of crypto from the popular Bitfinex. Uh, yeah, it was huge. Yeah, right. It was so, a phishing attack against their employees. Yeah. Make sure you got that multi-factor on. Uh, that would have avoided a lot of the problems. Uh, tw- Twitter confirms, number two, Twitter confirms data breach affecting 5.4 million accounts. Although previously reported vulnerability on social media platforms. So it had been reported. They did nothing about it. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> Breached. <laughs> well, good thing they've got a whole lot of engineers now that if they had to do any more <laughs> updates. Oh, wait. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. Yeah. They sacked them all. Uh, suspected Grand Theft Auto 6 hacker arrested by police. So the whole... Or, uh, Grand Theft Auto 6 source code was stolen by someone called Toxic and then sold on the dark web. That's a great one. Um, breach of the Cash App data. Now, I don't think we got Cash App we here, don't, but apparently it was a big deal. That's part of Twitter. There is another Jack Dorsey oh, company. Oh, right. Um, In April uh, 2022, it affected 8.2 million current and previous users. Boy, oh boy. I think it's big in the, the hacker downloaded reports. Con- yeah, in the US, yeah. Uh, it contains customers' full names, portfolio values, stock trading information, brokerage accounts numbers, blah, 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 goes on. Uh, Marry International Data Breach, number five on the list, affected up to 5 million guests. 500 million. Uh, oh, sorry, 500 <laughs> million. Well, yeah. F- okay, that's a bit better. <laughs> 500 million. Jeez. Uh, in November, Marriott International announced that a data breach had affected the reservation system of its Starwood Hotels and Resorts brand, potentially compromising the personal data of up to 500 million guests. Oh. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I stayed at a Marriott. I was probably in that one. Yeah. And, and especially yeah. because, you know, with hotels, you know, you do have to give them so much information. You do have to give them your passport number and, like, you've got your credit card details. They've got a lot of stuff they keep on just in case, you know, you don't settle your mini bar tab. That's right. Yep. Yep. Oh, and they, and they have their their reward system as well. They tend to keep a lot of information for that. Um, number six, 
Uh, Binance Crypto Exchange suffers a data breach. In May, hackers accessed the personal data of some customers for the crypto exchange Binance. Uh, large amount of user data. Um, yeah, I don't have any more details on that one, but that was a pretty big one as well. Number seven. Uh, now, this is an interesting one. It's a bit different to the others. Meta fires employees for allegedly hacking into user accounts. And this is not what you think. Um, they were employees who were being contracted to work as security guards at Meta, used a heavy, regu- heavily regulated internal access tool called OOPS to reset access to Facebook accounts. So how did the security guards have access to this system? I, Was it just sitting on, a, like a, on an open desktop PC somewhere that was always logged in? <laughs> On like the security desk or something, and it somehow got around in amongst the security guards. So you can go onto your ex's Facebook account, oh, yeah. which is probably what was going on, resetting it, and then you know reset the password and get into it and do all sorts of nefarious things. Wow, that's a shocker. That is a shocker. Yeah, and I'd have to say going into someone's Facebook account, I'd I'd like to think very few would be sort of a malicious attempts. So I think it'd just be people mucking around. Going in, ah, oh, gotcha, gotcha. But they don't realise what they're actually doing. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Um, number eight, Dropbox Enterprise data breach following a phishing attack. Yeah, okay. Um, as a result of the attack, 130 Dropbox source code repositories were affected, and the hacker was able to access some of the code stored on the platform, including API keys used by developers. Uh, once again, um, it was a phishing attack on an employee. And number nine, oh, we know about this one, uh, Google Block's largest ever DDoS attack. We reported on this one. Uh, just to give you numbers again, um, it, it targeted Google Armor with HTTPS reaching a peak of 46 million requests per second and lasted for 69 minutes. Oh. It was carried out from a staggering 5,256 source IP locations in 132 countries and was 76% larger than the previous record-holding attack. That's big. That's chunky boy. <laughs> but uh, Google soaked it up. No problem. That's nice of them. Yeah. And then this last one, I have to say, if you're using Kapersky antivirus, get it off. Get it out of there because uh, the United States Department of Homeland Security and Federal Communications have recently updated their list of foreign information technology companies that are considered to be a threat to national security. I thought we knew this about Kaspersky like 15 years ago. Yeah, I think it's always been the case. Right, like it um, was owned by the FSB or something. Something like that, yeah. China, China Mobile's been thrown into that list as well. Um, yeah, can't be trusted. Uh, and China Telecom, can't be trusted. Yep. Throw it in the bin. Yep. Uh, so that that's what happened in 20, uh, 2022. Two, um, we also have another article, um, which I'll link in the show notes, but I think due to our uh, time at the moment, I won't go through any detail, but um, they're talking about what are going to be the biggest threats of 2023. Um, Phishing and social engineering, crime as a service, multiple threat vectors used in attacks, Attacks, that, that's an interesting one, multiple threat vectors. I mean, talk about a big DDoS, right? Mm. They, there's your multiple threat vectors. Uh, attacks on cloud security, uh, third-party access risks, lack of cybersecurity knowledge, cyber attacks by nation states. That's an interesting one, particularly in the light of what we've seen lately. Um, yeah, quite a, quite a detailed article, and um, it really seems that uh, – Security, we thought security was a big focus during 21 and 22. I think 23 is going to be some hot stuff. We're going to see a lot of security articles coming out. We're going to be talking about it a lot. So strap yourselves in. <laughs> There's a that, that one in there that like crime as a service, though. Like, it's really <laughs> yeah. crime as a service platforms. Like, what we're going to get to the point. Oh, what, like, you know, uh, jail as a service. Like, you just you pay a fee to keep someone in prison. <laughs> C C A A S crime as a service. Yeah. <laughs> they can make more money enabling entry level cyber criminals to commit crimes than they can directly targeting victims with less risk. I suppose that's like if I if I if I'm a 
a hacker, I've got a bunch of tools I can let you, I don't know, pay with Bitcoin or something or Monero yeah. to use the tools and and point them at something to breach. So it's like, I just, ma- yeah, I just can- made the platform. You're the one who used it for evil. Just, just contract out your services. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could, could you see it coming up as, uh, you know, in, in the, in the Google console as one of the options <laughs> on the, on the tabs, <laughs> on the tab options, Chrome as a service. Oh, go in here. What have we got? Yeah. Oh, Kelly node. Yeah. Let's spin one of those. Up. <laughs> uh, maybe, again, maybe more of an Alibaba service. Than- <laughs> yeah. And Mappy, I'm going to run that. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. Look, I'll, I'll leave that to our listeners to go and have a look at, but uh, some great stuff in that particular article. Uh, I thought we'd just finish off with this particular article. Um, everyone is using Google Photos wrong. Everyone. Everyone. Everyone is using Google Photos wrong. Now, what, what, what you're getting at in this article is, you know, you, you get your phone, you casually take a photo, you look at it for a bit, you don't think about it anymore. Right? You are... Uh, you go, you know, oh, here's a, oh, I know, well, here's, here's a case in point, right? I got this, I got a letter off someone, Christmas Christmas mail, right? It's got his uh, address on the back, right? Now, you know, just take a photo of the address, boom, I, I've kept it. You know, I could go and put the address in into contacts, but it's easier to take a photo. Um, that then is information that's in photos, right? So what he's saying is... You take a photo of stuff, it goes into photos, it gets uploaded to the cloud, you forget about it, there's all this PII in there and stuff that you've forgotten about. Yeah, it was was an interesting article. There's some bits in there it was saying about like, oh, you know, I'd take like 16 photos but really I only want three of them, so I just deleted the rest. I don't see the worth in that. Like, so what? you got got capacity, right? Like the, the amount of free space you have for all your photos now. Like it's yep. it's less of an issue, but certainly after reading this article, I I jumped into my Google Photos and I typed the word passport in the search, and there was my passport in there. So certainly, um, that kind of stuff, yeah, you want to get that out. But there was the pieces in there about just like deleting duplicate photos. Eh, I'm not because I would really manually scroll through my photos. Now I do a lot more searching for things in there. Yeah, I like having that that context. Um, one thing though that, that, uh, now I don't know if it's just with my, my brand new pixel seven here, but something that I noticed in the, uh, in the camera app now, uh, because there is that piece about like you take a photo and then it ends up in Google photos and then it replicates off to the online one. And then because I've got screens around the house, a bunch of my photos are on the screensaver and that's, that's right. usually pretty nice, right? Like we'll get see a whole bunch of historical stuff like oh you remember that day that's that's nice that kind of stuff yeah comes up yeah but also things like yeah otherwise you're not seeing them you're not seeing, you're not seeing them, seeing them right? Right? so buried. using yeah. it like a digital yeah. photo frame is great but yeah. yeah if you like have your passport photos or uh you my wife was saying like we could take uh take a photo of like a present that you're buying for someone like oh yes i've seen that i'll take a photo of it and it can appear on the screen and then like that person can see it <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um but on my new phone, I've now actually seen a thing where if I take a photo, I can, instead of sending it to the regular photo gallery, in the, the camera app, I can send it off to a locked folder. Oh. Right, And the locked folder is only kept on the phone. It, and that's done at the time you take the photo? So it's after, it after I've taken it, I can put it in the yep. locked folder instead. Right. So I can go mm. back and I can remove them. And put them in there. So good for things like passport photos, or you know, if you the sort of person who's taking photos that you might not want to become, uh, you know, shown on your home screen, like that yeah. kind of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> then yeah, it's, it's nice to have that option. I definitely wasn't there on my Pixel Six, but it might just be an update in the camera app that I didn't know about. Um, right. But I do like that. So it's still using like Google Photos, but it's keeping it a separate area. You know, I used to be really fastidious with my photos and I'd, I'd go through and I'd weed out the, 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 you know, you take the blurry ones or the not so good ones and then I'd put them in a thing and then I'd date it and I'd, I even, when uh, Picasso was a thing, I even had, um, had libraries in Picasso and I had them all annotated as well. 
Um, I did I, I did a holiday and and that's exactly what I did. And it's I, I've still got the Picasso binary. I can still spin it up and the annotations are all there. But um, so that, that was really handy. But you don't don't do that anymore. Yeah. Take so many photos and they just just go off into the ether. And the metadata is all there as well, and it becomes searchable mm. and. Usually if I, I want a photo like, oh, I was in this suburb when I took the photo, I'll just search for the suburb. Oh, there it is because it's all geotagged. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The, the tagging does get a little bit better, but it's not perfect, right? You can't always find what you want, especially like with the kids, you know, when they're younger and now they're older, it, it doesn't doesn't match always up match face. up yeah. through the age, and especially with my two dogs. My previous dog was a, a German Shepherd and this one's a German Shepherd and it, it just does not know the difference between the two yeah. of them. <laughs> um yeah, so uh, look, you just just need to be aware that there's going to be stuff in there that is PII, and you know if you've got some time while you're on holidays, just flick through your thing and just delete some photos that you don't need. It does it does surface uh, every now and then, you know, and say this is. Do you want these photos anymore? Do you want to archive these photos? And then you know, I know occasionally I do. I delete them. Mm. I think it's well worth dropping in there and, and typing less like passport or driver's license in the search and seeing what come up. Look, we'll finish up on that. Uh, that was a bit of a fun one. Make sure you check your Google Photos. Uh, don't forget to uh, – you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Go to iTunes and write us a review. You can also contact the show, gcplife at casla.com.au. We still have a Twitter at gcplife uh, and the website. You can Google that. And if you Google gcplife, you'll see a picture of Dave. Don't get too excited. (laughs) (laughs) He's usurped. Yeah, your position has been usurped. (laughs) That's it. Um, So we're getting that fixed up uh, to get the correct host in the picture. and uh, don't forget, today's sponsor is Kasna. At Kasna, we make your Google Clouds solutions possible. Uh, that's it for this spooky January Friday the 13th. <laughs> I had to say uh, it. Yeah. Uh, you got anything else for me, Dave? Uh, no, I hope everyone has a, has a lovely Friday the 13th. Not spooky at all. And Banky, if you grew a beard as nice as mine, then maybe you could be the front man podcast. Oh, <laughs> don't make me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it from us. We'll catch you later. Catch you, bye. bye. <laughs>